Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Don't Miss This. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. Or that guy. <laughs> or whatever you want to call me. And today Our favorite we... <laughs> thing is the emails that come that say, you and John, Mark, that guy. Dude, at least the other two were disciple names. <laughs> so, and David's a king. So please call me by my royal kingly name, David. Thank you. Okay, today we're doing Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 1 through 7. Don't feel sad, I put 1 through 6 on the paper. I like 7, and I hope it's not offended. Um, so the letter to the Corinthians, this is, there was a city in Greece. It was called Corinth and I put a map there so you can see it. It's right in between where two seas kind of meet. And if you ever go over to Greece, you can go to Corinth today. It's just ruins. There's nothing that's there anymore. Um, but they have this really cool canal that you can cross over. And there's this grandma that has a little shop set up on the canal and she sells all these like um, little shoes, like booties for babies that she has woven. And one day we'll go there and we'll take you all Except, and we'll meet the grandma. Yeah. No, don't say she died. No. <laughs> no I was going to say, we bought all the shoes when we went because oh, she was so cute you had to. But okay. really, have you ever seen Coco? You yes. know the movie? Yes. That grandma Coco, she lives right outside of Corinth. And she sells shoes. And she's she had sells... plenty of time to yeah. make more since <laughs> yeah. you were there. Last oh, and I think that Coco lady does shoes too in the movie. <laughs> okay. Anyways, um, so Corinth today is just rubble. Um, but back in Paul's time, in the New Testament times, it was a really thriving city. Um, and so, and because of where it was, you had a lot of economic growth. You had a lot of cultures mixing in there and everything. So it used to be a really bustling city. A lot of temples. Um, to ancient gods. So you're going to notice Paul is going to talk a couple times about being a temple uh, in there. And that's because the people in Corinth would have like been so familiar with you know, that concept of they're surrounded by different temples. Mm -hmm. There also was a lot of immorality in Corinth, which kind of comes with big cities and cultures and stuff like that. So a lot of these temples were um, pagan temples where a lot of immoral worship was happening in them. So you're going to see Paul address some of that too. Something that, just a reminder, the same with Romans. Um, if you look in Acts 18, Paul actually lives in the city of Corinth for a year and a half. And he sets up this church and he knows the people there. A lot of Gentile converts, a lot of pagan converts over to Christianity. And they bring a lot of their, I guess, cultural baggage with them. Um, but I think it's neat that he lived there, set up the church. And again, he's writing to people that he knows well. He knows their issues. He knows their problems. And that is what he does in, in the letter. Is he um, Three things we found in the ESV study Bible that you thought were kind of... Oh, we'll yeah, show the board. we love this. It was the King James study oh, Bible, really. Oh, you forgot to show... Like, well, I forgot. <laughs> I just blamed that on you. Okay, thank you. This <laughs> but, is the board, everyone. Yeah, the King need. James study Bible. I thought it was neat. It said, uh, Paul's letters have at least... Particularly this one in Corinthians, the um, uh, purpose to address the problems heal divisions, and answer questions. And we love that because we thought about, think about your family councils, think about ward councils that you've been in, think about as you're working with 
people who are trying to create unity, we just loved the thought of those three things. When was the last time your family sat down together or the people that you spend time with and did those three things, address the problems, heal the divisions, and then answer questions. Um, it, it might be fun to try that in your family council. Yeah, or a ward council, I mean, or a presidency. What if you're like, these are our three items on an agenda that mm -hmm. could be, I don't want to get called into a presidency to try it, but <laughs> it could be, <laughs> you know, it could be a, a I don't know, a cool thing to yeah. do. Um, so Paul, uh, when you look at this letter to the Corinthians, you kind of want to get this idea of what he's going to try and do is address what it's like to try and live in Christ in a really corrupt and secular society. He knows it's possible, um, and so he's going to try and give him advice to do that. And again, those those three things. So we're going to start with the first problem he starts off with. Um, in the book of Corinthians, some of the questions they've asked, and through the grapevine, he's heard about some problems also. So he addresses kind of both of those. As you read it, you'll notice, he'll say, I've heard, da 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 da, -da and then he gives a solution. And other times he says, you asked, da 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 da, -da and here's the solution. And it helps if you're kind of watching for those as you're reading through Corinthians, because then the chapters start to make more sense, that he's not just sitting down and thinking, well, what, what should I tell him about today? He really is trying to address, here are the things the saints are struggling with. How could I help in that situation? And the first struggle that he wants to address right off the bat is contention and division. We read in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and um, in verse 10, he says, I beseech ye that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you. And then in verse 11, he talks about there are contentions among you. And I thought it was really interesting as we started getting into these chapters because this feels like the world we live in. There is a lot of division, whether you're looking culturally, politically, um, a lot of what fills our language or our conversations, particularly on social media, um, is, is moved by that division and by that contention. And so it's, it's almost as if we read Corinthians and we're like, oh, this would actually help us right now in our life today. How do you get past those contentions? And we love what his answer is. Um, and the answer is found right in 13. He asks the question, is Christ divided? Which is such an interesting question because immediately um, we know, no, he, he wasn't. Right. Um, he was very inclusive. He was very welcoming. He was all about trying to bring people together and bring people in, that's who he was. And it's really interesting when you get down to verse 22 um, or 23, he says, but we preach Christ. And then um, he talks about how Christ crucified could be to some a stumbling block, but it also was gonna bring the healing. And it made me start thinking in my own home and family and the situations we're involved in right now, what if that was the answer, was just to figure out a way to preach Christ into that situation? And I think it's important that we realize that's not talking about pushing doctrine down someone's throat. That's talking about um, treating them the way Christ would treat them. That's what it looks like to preach Christ, to testify of Christ. We read about that in 2 Nephi 25. We talk of Christ. We rejoice in Christ. We preach of Christ. We testify of Christ. All of these things um, 
every time we bring those into our conversations, we are bringing healing into the conversation. And also, like, I, if you look at the very beginning of the chapter when he, like, addresses them, like, dear Corinth saints, like, he says, all, he uh, categorizes them by saying, those of you who are sanctified by Christ Jesus and are saints because of what he did. Mm-hmm. And there's something about knowing, like, I've been forgiven i've been set free because of something that jesus did for me that then frees me to love other people because a lot he's more gonna like, do the same for them right right in that situation and, and, and already done has. for us right yeah and i don't have to be better than somebody else because I'm, i've already been set free like this mm-hmm. isn't like he's not taking top 10 percent he's taking all of us and died for all of us so you can be free now to find fellowship with each other yeah. Like in, you know, uh, in, in imperfections. And he uses this phrase, where is it? I just lost it. Oh, verse 9. You were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Right? He's our master, and we are all in this all together. And he says, if you will look at all of your problems in that context, saved by him, and you were called into his fellowship with all your imperfections and all your baggage, so allow everybody to be called in also and that's paul throughout the entire thing he's just like look at all your problems in the context of christ and the cross right and then things will there will be and that it, healing yeah and, and it's not so, so interesting division. to think about it i'll never forget one day when um something had not gone well in a relationship that i was having and all the way home from the conversation i had just prayed all the way home how how can i work this out and what do i need to be doing and and um, it, it just felt like there were a lot of things that needed to be handled, and I wasn't sure how they were going to work out. And a lot of times, when you're in relationship with someone, you immediately assume the worst or go to a place of of not trust because of history. And as I was praying, the Spirit whispered to me um, that that person was probably praying at the same time for the same thing I was, mm-hmm. and that the Lord loved her as much as he loved me. And if both of us were praying as hard as we could for this to get figured out and to get worked out and we both trust in Jesus Christ and we both listen to the Spirit, if we would just let Jesus be in charge of that situation, his goal would actually be to work it out for both of us. That's what he would choose, is to work it out for both of us. it, it made me actually step back from the hurt and where I felt like I couldn't trust and all of those places to just think I can trust Jesus with this. And I can trust that um, that person can receive the same amount of inspiration I can. And I'm just going to lean into it with him in mind first and see what happens. And it resolved with so much less emotional hurt um, as I did that than I think it probably would have otherwise. So maybe... You can look at somewhere in your life where you are feeling that tension and just think, how could I preach Jesus into this situation? How could I bring Jesus into this situation? I think is what Paul is saying there in verse 23. Yeah, and that is, that's awesome. Now, obviously, there's some relationships and some hurt and some things that require boundaries and yes. all those types of things, and we're not talking about those. We're kind of talking about the ones that are that are fueled by pride. Mm-hmm. And, and we'll know when those are. We and have misunderstanding. A qu- yeah, and sometimes right. you haven't communicated as well as you should and, and just allowing that to happen. And also, I think, allowing room for people to grow, right? We believe in a God of increase and progression. He, he wants us to be continually improving. And that's true about everyone. So sometimes we might see someone not at their best 
in that moment. Um, but it doesn't mean God isn't working with them or helping them to increase and, and come to harvest in their own time and place the same way he is with us. And, and Paul's going to talk about this. Yeah, let's jump into that. Um, you should know one of the big problems that was causing contention in Corinth was who baptized somebody into the church. Like that's where the teams were getting kind of divided. And that was a pagan practice and part of pagan culture that you really revered and honored and kind of belonged to Team Paul or Team Apollos or, you know, something like that based off of who brought you in. And particularly, they like started to look at the things that they liked about Apollos, for example. He was really well-written. He was a scholar. And so if you were baptized by him and, team, and in Team Apollos, it means we're kind of the more sophisticated members of the church. Paul's more of a country bumpkin style. And it's like, you know, it's like, but, but, he's, but he suffers for Jesus. And that, so, so Paul just kind of comes in. He's like, wait, stop, 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 stop. None of that matters. Let me ask you a question. Um, or let me lay this out for you. Um, uh, starting in, it's, this is chapter three now. And you start like in uh, verse four. He says, some of you say I am of Paul. And some of you say I am Apollos. Right? Verse 5. Who then is Paul and who then is Paulos except ministers that the Lord gave to every man? That's all That's all that we are. Right? And then lists out this. I have planted. It's Paul talking. Um, Apollos has watered. But here's the important part. God is the one that gave the increase. And this is so good if you think about gardening for a minute. Neither of us are good gardeners. <laughs> I was about to, to say, that. like, wait. We're both really bad at it. In fact, you can go ahead and share your gardening story. Do you remember? My uh, pumpkins? Yes. Or was it your squash? I oh, yeah, yeah. I can't remember which one it was. See, that's how bad I am. Pumpkins or squash or something. And I, apparently they grow really well in Utah. And I planted them and they all died. And a member of my stake presence, he's a longtime farmer, had come over. And he was like, David, I could grow pumpkins or whatever on a driveway. <laughs> like they, they never require anything. Like it's a gift that you killed them. So this is not in our realm, gardening, but what did you want to say? But we love this lesson so much. And what we love about it is this fact of anyone who has raised a garden before knows what it is like to plant, right? You don't just plant. You're going to weed out that garden. You're going to prepare the soil. You're going to get it all ready. Planting requires something. And, and if Paul planted... That means he put a lot of time in to sow and to get that soil ready. And then you also know um, the watering is important. You forgot about the watering. <laughs> it should rain. <laughs> you did the planting, but then someone needed to come in and do the watering, right? The watering is also important. But what is interesting is, if you've ever looked at those seed packets, it tells you the growing time, right? It tells you you got to plant by this date in order if you want the harvest to come before the snow does. There's rules of planting and there's rules of watering, how much water, and there's rules of how much sun. And they're kind of telling you we can plant and we can water, but at the end of the day, God gives the increase. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just going to buy stuff from Costco. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I was thinking as you were talking. I was like, oh my gosh, all those rules are giving me anxiety. I think I'm just going to... Just going to go there. But sometimes when we look, I think that's really cool. We put some questions on the study guide sheet to look at. Can, can you think of somebody in your life that you feel like has planted, you know, truth into your heart, who's introduced you to, you know, a, a way of living in Jesus? And can you think of somebody who's watered, who's nourished, you know? And then to also think like, in what ways has God given 
you know, the increase. What Paul's doing is he's putting all of the attention off of him and off of Apollos. Remember, because everyone's like, I'm team, I'm team, I'm team. And he's like, no, 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 we're all team Jesus, right? He is the one that actually works the miracle in all of us. He is the one. He's like, was Apollos crucified for you? Was I crucified for you? No, Jesus was crucified for us. And he's the one who will work the miracle in us. And he knows how long the growing season is. And I think that part is so crucial because we want to say how long we want the growing. Well, I do in my own life. I'm like, let's see, I'm in the midst of, I can feel the growing and the stretching and all that taking place. And I want to be like, let's get this done by August 15th, right? (laughs) And he's the one who knows how long the growing season is because he's the one who knows what the harvest is going to look like. And just learning that kind of trust in giving your life over to him and allowing him to work the miracle. And I think it might be really good advice for parents, friends, teachers, whoever, when you're looking at someone else that you want something good to grow and come about in them. And that's, this is hard to do because we want control of it and, and we want them to be a certain type of person at a certain time. But to just say like, I will plant and I will water and I will let God do the increase for that person. Um, I read somewhere the other day that I, I like that they said the book of Acts is called the Acts of the Apostles mm-hmm. and not the results of the Apostles oh, that's because so the results belong to God. So my job is to plant, my job is to water and to worry in prayer, <laughs> right? And let God do the increasing, you know? The story's not over for people, so right? Good. The growing time is, yep. don't dig up a seed because you haven't seen anything come of it yet. Mm-hmm. It's working, it's happening. So. Um, I think that's really neat. Yeah. Okay, now he moves on to another um, analogy with and, people that um, is really neat. Yep, and we love this. And we're going to go back to one for a second, and then we'll jump back in because he oh, talks yeah, about, about in one, um, five through seven, this increasing, this growing. And he says, In everything you are enriched by him, in all utterance, in all knowledge, so that everything you say and everything you know it's coming from him, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I love the thought of that. None of us is going to come behind. Even if our growing period is different, none of us is going to come behind in any gift through Christ. That's what's going to happen. And then in chapter 2, verse 9, This might be one of your favorite verses in Corinthians. If you love to have a a scripture you memorize, this might be the one your family wants to work on this month or this week. Um, It says, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. And we just love the thought of that, that we don't don't even know what that harvest is going to bring in any of us. We don't know. Um, We're going to go through that growing period, but God knows what he's doing. And I love that Paul, um, then if we didn't get it the first time, if we're not farmers, which neither of us are, then he's like, here, let me show it to you again. This time you're going to be a builder. That's what you're going to do. Hold on. Let's say one. I just want to say one other thing about that verse you did, verse nine. I love that he's just like, um, you might have in your mind or idea of what you can become or what someone that you what you hope someone else becomes. But I love that Paul's like, listen, you have never seen, heard, or even thought of, you haven't even imagined yet what God is already working in you. You are not behind. You are not mm-hmm. off track. Just give it time. I think that, yeah. okay, And sorry. I love that. I love it so much. And I love the thought, even in your 
in your periods of waiting um, to know God is working in the waiting. It just brings so much peace and comfort in those times. Um, so then Paul's going to say, if it doesn't make sense to you to be a garden, that's okay. If you kill everything you've ever planted before. <laughs> I keep mine alive. The problem is I plant them too close together and they cross pollinate. So my squash is green and yellow at the same time when it's only supposed to be one or the other. And some turns into pumpkins and they weren't even pumpkin seeds. We don't know. Costco. This is so easy. Like, just go <laughs> <Okay>. to Costco. <laughs> so then he says instead in chapter 3 verse 9, um, listen, let me tell it to you again. And this time you are going to be God's building. Now, this is one of our favorite things to teach. So if you are a family that has kids or teenagers, this is going to be fun for a minute. You want to make sure everyone has a piece of paper and you get to build your own house. Everyone gets to become a master builder is what Paul tells us he is in verse 10. Everyone gets to be a master builder right now. So you get out your paper and you get to choose what, how you're gonna build your house. It can be anything you get to choose. We want you to choose three things, okay? Three materials to build your house out of. And he's gonna tell you, I already laid the foundation and um, that's done. That, and that's the hardest part. So you're so happy because as long as your foundation <laughs> is right, it's all gonna be better. But you get to decide how you wanna build. And he says in verse 12, if any man build upon this foundation, and then here's what you get to choose to build, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or stubble. Now we don't want you to read any farther in the book. Just push pause for a minute. We want you to talk about with your family, what are you gonna use to build? Everybody gets to build their own house. You need to choose three of those things. So you get to choose gold, silver, wood, hay, precious stones, stubble, three things. You build your house however you want. And then when you're done building, you're gonna come back. Okay, welcome back. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> okay, welcome back. Okay, now, we hope your houses are all built. We hope you drew them out on your paper and you like what you look like. For just a second, every time I read this, I feel like this is where the story of the three little pigs came from. I'm sure it is. Some mom was reading the scripture to her kids and she was like, here, let me tell this to you in a different way. Once, there were three little pigs. <laughs> That's what happens. Um, okay, so... Here's what's going to happen with your house. Every man's house is going to be made manifest what kind of house it is. Okay, so all of you, whatever your house is, your house is about to be tried. And they're all going to be tried the same way. And it's by fire. That's what's going to happen. And what we want to know is if your house is going to withstand fire. If that is what's going to happen. So depending on what things you chose, what's going to happen to your house? Um, now, this is what we want you to think about this. What, what happens to these things when a fire comes? What happens to wood? What's going to happen? Burned. And what about hay? Burn faster. Stubble. I don't know what stubble is. It's like kindling. <laughs> oh, okay. Burn the fastest. Okay. None of those are going to work out. But what happens with gold when it goes through a fire? So gold, silver, and precious stones all actually become more beautiful and more refined in fire. Right? You may have heard that before. When I teach this in seminary, my kids are like, but hold on, they're going to melt. Um, don't worry about the melting. It's going to be fine. Everybody, <laughs> that's what I tell them. The point is, what happens when those elements go through that testing process, that firing process, or the refiner's fire? Um, I love what we learn about the refiner's fire in the book of Isaiah. Um, 
and I had to make sure I really got the book of Isaiah. Um, in Isaiah 43, 1 through 5, um, a refiner has to be really good at his job because he can ruin what he is refining if he isn't. And that job entails holding something against fire for just the right amount of time. What he's trying to do is get the dross off or what would be the imperfection or the impurities. He can burn those out of those elements. But there's also, you have to have water for that refining process. And you just go back and forth between the fire and the water until the refining takes place. And you want a refiner who knows what he's doing. That's what you want. Um, and I love, in chapter 43, 1 through 5, Jesus Christ talks about his abilities as a refiner. But instead of showing us him sitting in front of a fire with a piece of gold, he's going to talk to us about the children of Israel when they were crossing and then other people who have been through the same experience. You can think of it literally. I like to think about it figuratively as I read through um, what the scripture means. And he says this, But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by name, thou art mine. And when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle against thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. Since thou was precious in my sight, I have loved thee. Fear not for I am with thee. And that might be one of my favorite lessons of the refiner is the refiner cannot leave his work. He can't. He has to be there through the whole entire process. Through both the fire and the water, he promises I will be with you until everything is just the way it should be. So as we go back into Corinthians and we think about what do we learn um, and I'm going to go back when he talks about, according to the grace of God in verse 10, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another is going to build upon. But let every man take heed how he builds upon, for other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And I love what Paul is saying is, I'm going to lay you this foundation. I'm going to lay you the foundation of Jesus Christ, and now you build on it. But you decide how you're going to build. What are you going to use? Um, and, and we're not really going to use stubble, wood, or hay. But what he's saying is go in and find the parts of your testimony, of your witness of Christ, your witness of this gospel, and build with that. Just a little at a time, you are going to build, right? It's going to be that principle of increase just like the growing season. You take your time and build knowing that a fire is going to come, that we're going to go through hard things. And according to how you build is how you'll be able to stand at the end. And in verse 14, he says, if any man's work abide, which he has built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. But then Paul's going to take it one step farther, right? He's going to say, not only do I want you to think about yourself as a garden with a harvest that's going to come or as a building that's going to withstand trial, but then he tells us um, in verse 16, let me give you one more comparison. Okay, except you forgot my favorite verse. Oh, sorry. Which is 15 when he says, But if any man's work shall be burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself shall still be saved, even as by fire. So I just love that Paul's saying, like, you probably can avoid a lot of heartache in your life if you add gold and silver and precious stones, you know, onto that foundation. If you happen to have added wood and hay and stubble, he's like, they're going to be burned. 
and you're going to suffer some loss. But all is not lost. The foundation, foundation is always going to stay, and it's mm -hmm. always going to be there. And you can build Which, again, right? right? If you have your foundation, exactly, you can, build you can again. right. So we can live our lives not afraid of one mistake, and you know, God's not a three strikes you're out God. Like you know, it's just like. But he says, but I'm encouraging you to build with gold, silver, mm -hmm. and precious stones, and because that fire's coming one way or the other. And I also love that you said that master builder is careful. I mean, a refiner is really careful. Mm -hmm. That he's like. The water's coming, but I won't let it overtake you. And the fire is coming, but I promise you, I won't let you be burned. Like, I know how much you can handle and, mm -hmm. and what to do. That's just yeah. a, a neat thing. Okay, but then the one other analogy that he gives in verse 16, where he says, Know you not that you are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, take that analogy and jump down to verse 23. Where he just says, well, in 22, remember, he says, whether you're from Paul or Apollos or Peter, that Cephas, or of the world or of life or death or things or whatever, all are yours. Christ has already died and given you all things. Um, you are Christ and Christ is God's. Now, if you flip over to chapter 6, he's going to say that idea about being the temple one other time. Um, and this is actually in uh, context of another problem that he's addressing, which is the problem of... Um, immorality in in Corinth and their kind of culture at that time was um, my life and my body are mine to do whatever I want with that was kind of the general culture back then it might be the general culture of today also I don't think very much has changed and Paul is going to teach him that truth in context of right um, of Christ and the cross we left a little box that if you want to look through some of those things um, you can write okay what is the actual truth that he's teaching in context of, of Christ. But I love this line where he says, um, starting in 19, he says it again, know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. What he's saying is this, you already are the temple of God, and the Holy Ghost dwells in you. So live that way. You've already been purchased and saved and bought. So live that way. Instead of a common like, wait, live this way so the Holy Ghost can dwell in you so you can become precious. Paul is teaching, no, 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 no. You already are purchased. You already are precious. And so because of that, glorify God and live in thanksgiving for the way God, you know, for what he's already done for you. It's such an interesting concept because it's almost backwards from what we think all the right. time. Because we're like, if you live this way... Then you can be a temple. Yes. And he's saying, wait a minute, you already are a temple. You already have the spirit. That should help you how to live. Right. Um, and it made me remember um, many years ago I read this quote in this magazine. You guys, this is an Amish magazine because I love Amish people. I can't help it. I just love them. And I want you to know when she brought this down, I was like, <laughs> on planet Earth as an old Amish magazine. But we're so happy you This is do. the Small Farmer's Journal. Well, you everybody. should read in there how to farm and garden. Okay, okay I will. will. And then we would both how. be better. Um, but a man writes about, and see if this is true about you. you. This is true about me. I just have to say going into it, this is so true about me. Have any of you gone and visited an Amish part of the United States and you go there and you see them in their carriages and you look how they're dressed 
and they have no electricity and their life feels so simple. And this is what happens to me every time. I honestly think to myself, I've got to get a carriage. That is what I think. <laughs> I just got a carriage. And if I started wearing that dress, I think my life would be more simple. And you can make those rolls. And I'll make and those rolls and the jam. And the jam. I'll make the jam. They're so good. At yes, that. see? That's what happens. You you think the carriage is going to solve the problem. I don't think I'm the only one who's done that. There's got to be someone else out there who's like, yeah, every time you drive through Amish country, you're like, I've got Well, there really, there's the a longing for that kind of life. Yes. Especially if you live a really busy, fast-paced, like, there is this longing of, like, quiet and peace and connection with God out in the fields or, yeah. you know, like that yes. kind of thing. And you go to bed at eight because that's when it gets dark in your house. Oh, and then I think Netflix pulls me back. But... No, no Netflix for you. Just be country for a minute. Um, and this Amish man is talking about how that really is, a lot of people talk about that. A lot of people say, we are going to start living like this so we can be like you. And this is his answer. He says, um, country people surround themselves with the trappings of our culture dress up their children in plain clothes and extol the virtues of everything the Amish do say or think. They wish they had our values, but they don't want to work at acquiring and keeping them. Does it ever occur to them that we aren't what we are because of the way we live, but rather we live as we do because of what we are. It comes from the inside out. And then he says, we realize that not everyone is cut out to be one of the plain people. Many have not the opportunity, but here is a challenge. If you admire our faith, strengthen yours. If you admire our sense of commitment, deepen yours. If you admire our community spirit, build one. If you admire the simple life, cut back. If you admire quality merchandise or land stewardship, then make quality. If you admire deep character and enduring lives, live them. And I love that thought of we are what we are because of what's inside of us. That's why we do all the things that we do. And when I read it, I was like, that's true about us. Right. We are who we are because of what is inside of us already. It's already there. We are temples because of what's inside of us. And um, there's just power. In yeah, that and idea. don't fold that and read the, the very last paragraph. Oh. If you, I love this one. It says, These things cannot be bought in a box or from the bookshelf. They are built and cultivated. They take effort. Instead of being a looker, be a doer. And give the one honor to whom it belongs. And I love that last line because it's kind of like the way Paul ends chapter 6, right? Where he's just like, You have been bought with a price. You, your value has already been shown. God's already begun a work in you, right? And he says, therefore, because of that, because it's already happened, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And I want to, just for one second, as we close, go back to where we began for a minute, where we were talking about what was the culture and how much division there was and how much contention. And there is just um, within that city and in that community, this... Um, plea for him for unity and there's one line in here that has stood out to me all week this week as I've been studying and pondering it. it's in chapter 2 and he says this and I brethren when I came to you came not with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring unto you the testimony of God for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified and then here is my favorite part 
This is chapter two, verse three. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And what I love about that is when Paul says to the people, I am here, I'm in it, right? I was with you in this. And how many times can we look at someone who's struggling, who, who maybe doesn't meet up to where other people think they should be? We've got that contention and that division and that judging and, and all those things going on. And I love that Paul's answer to that is, to just get in it. And we're gonna talk about that next week in great detail where he, he says to them, I was with you. And could we maybe be better at doing that as we approach someone who doesn't look exactly the same as us or react the same as we do, or maybe hasn't um, done something the way we want it done, to get to a place where they are and look at their story and think, you know, I've been there before. And, and I still am there, right? Mm -hmm. Like Christ had to die for me to be rescued also to, to sort of put all of ourselves in that, you know, in that same place. Yeah, and, and just oh. to be with each other, just to be like, you know what, I am with you right now where you are and, and preach Jesus, right? Because of Jesus is how we're going to get through this, is how we're going to heal this and mend this and answer questions and solve division. And he says, and it seems way too simple. You know, he's like, I know that was your problem. Everyone's mm -hmm. problem is like, wait, it can't be that simple. Or in other words, that sounds way too good to be true. Mm -hmm. And and you know you're preaching gospel, preaching good news when your reaction is, that is too good to be true. But it is, yeah, right? It is. So it was a good one. There's so many good little nuggets right in there. So hopefully you found something you love this week. <laughs> nuggets is such a funny word. See ya. <laughs> This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.